0: Good morning again, everyone. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. Uh, really quickly, I just wanted to piggyback off something Dylan said. One of the announcements, he talked about the small groups. We we really believe that uh, small groups are essential to our growth in the Lord and our growth with each other. And so, um, if you're not in one, I want, I want to implore you, please pray about getting in one because, um, they really can be life changing. And if you decide that you want ladies, if you decide you want to be in a ladies group, I promise you don't have to connect with any men. Dylan said, you can sign up, sign up in a a small group to connect with men, ladies, you don't have to do that. So, um, we have been in our Heart for the House series the last couple of weeks, and that is um, the Heart for the House series is just like me sharing our focus for the year. And so if you don't know, every July, I try to shift my focus, and I try to take the month of July to dedicate it to prayer for the following year, and this uh, past July, July 2023, um, I really felt Strongly, that the Lord wanted us to focus on discipleship, becoming more and more like Jesus. Not just proclaiming Him, not just um, not just saying, you know, I'm a Christian or I go to church, that kind of thing, but actively becoming more and more like Jesus. That's what discipleship is. And, and over this this series, we've um, like I've talked about that the um, it's it's our job to to prepare um, to prepare to become more like Jesus. And, um, the, the, way we do that, the best way to do that is through prayer, worship, and the word. And, um, The first week we talked about prayer, and we talked about the importance of prayer, and and we walked through the, the model that Jesus gave us for how to approach God in prayer. And last week we talked about worship and what it means to truly worship him. Well, today we are concluding our Heart for the House series, and we're talking about the importance of the word of God in the life of every believer. Um, The title of my message today is, I've Hidden Your Word in My Heart. If you're taking notes, um, that's what I've titled the message today. Um, But before we dive into the scriptures, I want to share an experience with you that I had. And this is a true story. Um, When I was 22 years old, uh, I was fresh out of Master's Commission, now, Master's Commission, if you don't know, it's a uh, discipleship program for college-age kids, and I did three years in Master's Commission. I was fresh out of Master's Commission, I needed a job. So... Um I, I started kind of weighing my options. What can I do? That kind of thing, and I didn't want to like get into food service. Like I'd done food service before. It wasn't for me. Not that there's anything wrong with food service. Like there's, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it wasn't wasn't for me. I'd done it before. I wanted to do something else. So, um, a friend of mine got me in. Uh, into a, a temp agency. And this temp agency r- worked very closely with TD Ameritrade. If you don't know what TD Ameritrade is, it's it's financial management, it's wealth management. And so um, I got in at this temp agency uh, and they got me a temporary job as like a 90 day contract to work with TD Ameritrade at 22 years old, making the most money I've ever made in my life, uh, having a steady schedule, right? Like nine to five, Monday through Friday, no weekends, Ever you know what I mean like it was um, it was awesome, and I was pumped um, and and it was really awesome because it had a chance to become permanent if I did really well, so I was really excited so my first day um, I show up i 'm ready to go uh, I show up and and I meet the people i 'm supposed to meet, and they show me to my desk and they introduce me to my coworkers around me and that kind of thing, and they told me. Hey, sit tight. You know, like we're gonna have some tasks for you to do because the person who trains new employees is not in today, so you're not gonna be able to be trained today. Just, you know, then they had me like stuffing envelopes. So I'm like, okay, that's that's fine. I can do that. Stuffing envelopes for the entire day, uh, waiting to be trained. Well, one day passes, two days pass, three days pass, no training. Day five passes, no training. I'm just stuffing envelopes. And I'm like, okay, what, what's going on? You know, so um I go to my supervisor, I'm like, hey, like, I haven't received any training yet on the job that you hired me for. Like, can I get that? You know? And she's like, well, I'll have to look into that. Just keep doing what you're doing. So I'm like, okay, stuffing envelopes, day seven, day twelve, day thirteen, day four, you know, like no training. I'm like, hey. I haven't received any training can like can you send me to go get trained to do the job you hired me for I'll have to look into that day 17 day 18 finally day 21 so it's Friday of the third week that I've been working there stuffing envelopes is all I'm doing I get called into the department manager's office and no joke they told me that they were gonna have to let me go because of lack of performance I'm like Lack of performance. Nobody trained me to do the job that they hired me for. I've been waiting. I've been asking. I I had no idea what to do. Um, I I got terminated after three weeks, um, and and that was effective immediately. I never went back, and um, I yeah. I, I got fired after three weeks so because of lack of performance. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, that experience, I was doomed from the start for one reason and one reason only. I had no, no training. I had no idea what this company wanted from me. I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing. I had no idea how to do the job I signed up for. If I would've had the proper training, I might've had a shot to be successful, maybe. But I had no chance because no one ever taught me. Have you ever been in a situation like that before? Maybe maybe not the exact same thing, maybe not a job that you haven't had training in, but, but like, a situation where, like, had you had some kind of training, you might have been successful. Had you had some kind of preparation or, or instruction, you, you would have been successful. But because you didn't get that instruction, you were, you were kind of out of luck. I've heard one of the main causes of divorce is, well, we just got married too young. We, we just had too little life experience. And for me, that's code, that's code for, peop- for, for saying, like, no one ever taught me. No, I never learned how to do this. Have you ever had that, that um, experience, like maybe like, as a parent? I have heard p- hear people say all the time, like, I wish there was a parenting manual, right? Robin and I have said that. I wish there was some kind of manual that would teach you about these things that you get into as a parent. How to handle everything that comes your way as a parent. I think we've all been there if if you're a parent, or maybe maybe it's money. People say things like, I wish my parents would have taught me how to handle money better. I wish there would have been some kind of class I could have taken or some kind of instruction that somebody would have given me, some direction that I could have been pointed in. How many things in life could we experience way more success with, way more success with if there was some kind of training or instruction or education around it. What about in your relationship with God? Do you ever wish there was some kind of coaching or guidance available to teach you how to do this faith thing? Do you ever wish that, man, if, if if someone could just point me in a direction, that would be helpful. I don't know what I'm doing. You're, you you maybe in the, this whole faith thing. You feel like me at the job, and you're just stuffing envelopes. You're waiting for some kind of instruction, and it never comes. Don't you wish there was some kind of guidance available to teach you how to live the way God wants you to live? And that's what I want to talk about today. That's what I want to talk about today. But before we look at the scriptures, let's pray together this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you've given it to us as our instruction, as our guidance. And I pray, God, that you would open our hearts to receive what you have for us today. Teach us more and more about your character and about what you want for us. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can open it up or turn it on to Second Timothy and we're going to be in chapter three, Second Timothy chapter three. Now, whenever I preach, I try to preach from a perspective of there and then. Uh, there and then uh, is, is if you don't know what that is, this is what it is. If I believe, if we're going to understand how the Bible applies to our lives here and now, we have to understand what it meant there and then. To understand the words of the Bible, I believe we have to understand the world of the Bible and. I want to give you a little bit of context of 2 Timothy before we read it. Now, 2 Timothy is a letter. It's a letter from the Apostle Paul to his protege named Timothy. And 2 Timothy is widely regarded amongst theologians as Paul's final letter ever. He never wrote another letter after this. Um, And in this letter... um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is asking Timothy to come visit him in prison, and and pretty much what he wants is he wants to take everything he's learned in his relationship with the Lord, and he wants to give it to Timothy so that Timothy can take it and spread it and, and keep Keep it all going, right? And so he, he implores Timothy, hey, come to prison. Come to this prison that I'm in so I can teach you all this stuff. And in this specific portion of scripture that we're reading today, Paul's trying to help Timothy understand how to deal with false teachers. This is what he's, this is what he's got to say. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 10. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus, will suffer persecution, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be Deceive. So, really quick observation: the Apostle Paul says the evil people and imposters will flourish. the The word "flourish" means this: to grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way, especially as the result of a particularly favorable environment. Evil people and imposters will grow and develop in a vigorous way, not in a healthy way. Obviously, because evil isn't healthy, right? Um, it, being an imposter is not healthy, right? But they will grow in a vigorous way, especially as a result of a particularly favorable environment. That sounds familiar to me, not to get on a soapbox about this, but that sounds a lot like social media. Social media is a particularly favorable environment for evil people, for imposters to spread a message that is false. Now, I'm not saying social media is bad. All I'm saying is be careful because not everything online is true if you didn't know. So uh, real, real quick lesson there. Um, so I want to look at something the Apostle Paul says. I, I want to make sure we don't overlook this or we don't just like um, blow past this. Verse 12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you ever had any illusions that life with Jesus is easier than life without Him, you have been mistaken. (laughs) I'll say it again. If you've ever had any illusions that life with Jesus is easier than life without Him, you have been mistaken. Now, Life with Jesus is better than life without Him. But li- better is not easier. Easier is not better. Those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So I, I just think it's it's really important that we remember that, that we hold on to that, kind of store that away in the back of your head. Better does not equal easier. Those who, who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So really quickly, before we can, uh, finish the rest of the passage, um, the way I'm reading this verse right now is the Apostle Paul saying to his protege, Timothy, is you, he's saying, you've seen the result of discipleship in my life. You've seen the way I live. You've seen how I've grown in my relationship with the Lord. You've seen the, the, my life's purpose. You've seen what I'm willing to endure. Why is Paul's faith obvious? Why is his patience, uh, his love, his, his uh, endurance on display? I believe because he's taken the time to grow in his relationship with the Lord. He's, de- he's devoted himself to discipleship. Really, really quickly, um, Paul was, uh, uh, before he was Paul, his name was Saul. He was Jewish and, and he was uh, a Pharisee. He was an expert in the Old Testament law. He was an expert in it. And when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he had this amazing conversion experience where he decided, I'm not gonna do that Jewish thing anymore, I'm gonna follow Jesus. And from that moment on, Paul took three years to leave Israel and he went to Arabia to go restudy the scriptures. He spent three years in solitude, basically, studying the scriptures so that he knew. That was a major part of his discipleship process. And Paul is, is widely regarded as like write, writing most of the New Testament. And he's like, widely regarded as, as mostly responsible for spreading the gospel initially. He spent three years studying the word that he already knew so that he could understand it through the lens of Jesus. So that's just an extra. That's just an aside. But um, let's continue in our passage. Verse 14. But you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So the Apostle Paul has just spent time laying out how the discipleship process has has played out in his life. You've seen the way I live my life. You've seen what I'm willing to endure. You've seen my faith. You've seen all of it. It's all on display. And his life all revolves around scriptures. It it, it it revolves around the word of God. All scripture is inspired by God himself, and it's useful to teach us what's true. It's useful to teach us, to, to, to train us in what's true, to instruct us in the truth. It corrects us. It teaches us to do what's right. And God uses it to prepare us and equip us. It's the training that we need to do what he, he has for us. It's the guidance that we need to continue to grow in our relationship with him. Today, I want, to, um, I want to try to apply this to our life, but I want to take a slightly different approach than I normally do. Um, I want to look at what's going to happen if we don't take this seriously. I want to look at what's going to happen if we don't work hard to know the word of God and we don't work hard to hide his word in our heart. Um, Psalm chapter 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What, what happens if we don't take that time to hide his word in our heart? What happens to us when we don't read The scriptures, when we don't know the scriptures, when we don't make God's word an important part of our life, that's what I want to look at today. The first thing that happens to us that I want to kind of talk about today when we don't know the word of God is this. Your sin is distorted. When you don't know the word of God, sin is distorted in your mind. Unfortunately today, uh, sin is a hot-button topic amongst Christians. What's sin? What's not sin? What's allowed? What's, what's not allowed? Like what's, what's permissible? What's impermissible, right? Like this is a hot-button topic in church. It never used to be, but it is today. You have your fundamentalist Christians, you have your progressive Christians, and you have a lot of people in between. Pastor Ryan, what on earth are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. Essential doctrine, non-essential doctrine. Essential doctrine is defined as this. It's a set of beliefs that is absolutely necessary to your faith in Jesus. Right? So it's like your baseline, like this is what every Christian should believe. This is essential doctrine. Non-essential doctrine is defined as this, a set of beliefs that is secondary doctrines and denominational traditions and practice uh, that has no direct bearing on a believer's salvation. So these are some things like, like we should do these, but it, like, if you don't, it's not going to damn you to hell or anything like that, right? Like, so that's essential doctrine, non-essential doctrine. Fundamental Christians believe everything is essential, Fundamental Christians believe every doctrine is a heaven or hell issue. uh, Meaning like personal convictions become the standard that the entire community has to abide by. Rated R movies are going to send you to hell. Drinking even a drop of alcohol is going to send you to hell. Saying that curse word, hell. Listening to that type of music, hell. Hell. Right, that's fundamental Christian uh, fundamentalist uh, Christian view of of scripture. Everything is essential doctrine. Everything. Everything is a salvation issue, and it could get really exhausting. On the other hand, you have your progressive Christians, and and they believe that nothing is essential. Everything is non-essential. You know, I don't really like defining things, and I don't really like drawing lines in the sand, and everybody kind of connects with God in their own way, so we should just respect that. It's funny, they say, I don't really like drawing lines in the sand when literally Jesus drew a line in the sand to make people choose a side, but I don't really like doing that because everybody has their own truth, and and I don't know their experience, so I can't judge them, and uh, there is no standard with progressive Christians, There is no standard. You can let anything, and anybody can do whatever they want. And that's just as dangerous as the fundamentalist view. That's just as dangerous. And then most Christ followers, I would say most Christ followers, fall somewhere in the middle there's essential doctrines, there's things that we should all believe, and there's non-essential doctrines that, like, what's okay for you is maybe not okay for me, and what's okay for me maybe is not okay for you. Like, I think most Christians fall in that middle place, but, like, what, what's true and what's not? What's, what's fake news and what's real news, right? Like, what, what are we supposed to believe? How do we know what's essential and what's not essential? This is why it's so important to know what the word of God says. This is why it's so important to know the word of God and and learn what it means and hide it in your heart. Because a lot of people want to tell you, this is it. This is the way. And if you don't follow the way that I'm telling you, you're wrong. You're missing it. You're off the mark. Even pastors have this mindset. But right now, I'm here to tell you, it's not my job to legislate for you what's right and wrong. It's not my job to legislate for you what's right and wrong. It's not my job to tell you what's sin and what's not for you. You don't want to know what my job is? It's my job to teach you what the Word of God says and equip you and empower you to make that decision between you, God, and His Word. It's not my job to legislate for you what's right, what's wrong, what's sin, what's not, what's good. what's. That's between you, God, and His Word. Psalm chapter 119, verses 1 through 3 say this. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all of their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. When you don't take time to know God's word and what it says uh, and what it doesn't say, your view of sin becomes really distorted your view of of sin like you, you might start to take a view of like well at least I didn't kill anybody right I didn't murder anybody I didn't steal anyone's retirement right I didn't go Bernie Madoff with the Ponzi scheme and like leave thousands of people without a net like I didn't do that so it's not that bad right when you don't know the Word of God, your sin becomes distorted. When, or the, other, the, the opposite is true. When you don't know the Word of God, you begin to think you're better than everybody because you're holding other people to this arbitrary standard of salvation that's completely made up. When you don't know the Word of God, your sin becomes distorted other people's sin becomes distorted in your eyes and we should know that all sin leads to death and God hates all sin and he wants all sin out of your life no matter how big or small it is we have to know God's word because then we'll be able to have an accurate view of our sin so what happens when we don't know the word of God our view of sin becomes distorted the next thing I want to talk about today that happens when we don't Know the word of God is this, your hope is diluted. Your hope is diluted. We live in a world now that tells you there is no absolute standard. There is no absolute standard. There's no set of rules or one size fits all, right? Um, We live in a society now that tells you, you get to decide what's true for you. Again, I don't know your experience, so I can't speak to what your truth is, right? Like your truth, your truth, my truth. Uh, Like everyone has... Uh, no one else has lived your personal experience, so they can't tell you what's right or true or good for you. There is no moral absolutism. What's what's moral absolutism? It's this, a set of principles or rules that are considered universally binding and unchanging, regardless of circumstances or individual perspectives. These standards are often seen as applying to all people at all times in all situations. This does not exist anymore. It used to. This does not exist anymore. Everybody everybody lives under the same standards. No, everybody gets their own standard now. Everybody gets to set their own bar and nobody can ever tell you any different. And when everybody gets to set their own standard, there is no foundation. And when there's no foundation, we live in chaos. When there's no standard, we, we have no foundation. And when there's no foundation, we live in chaos. One of the primary ways God chooses to impart, uh, God chooses to impart strength to us is, is through the testimony of his word. This is how he strengthens us, is through his word. We see his character. We see his worth. We see his, his, uh, his work, his faithfulness, his justice, his promise, his love. These give us strength in suffering. But we only know it through his word. This doesn't mean that we don't have heartache. It doesn't mean that we don't have setbacks. But it means that we have an unshakable hope that can get us through those times. And if we, when we don't ha- know the Word of God, when we, when we don't understand it, when we don't hide it in our heart, we don't have that hope. That we, we have our hope is shakable. Our hope is fleeting. Psalm 119 verse 28 says this, I weep with sorrow, encourage me by your word. I weep with sorrow, encourage me by your word. Oh God, this is something my grandmother always tried to teach me. Um, Whenever you're down, whenever you're discouraged, read the word of God, read it out loud, Um, recite it to yourself, go over it in silence, whatever you got to do, whatever the method, get the word of God in you and then let it come out. It's always going to pick you up when you're down. My grandmother always tried to teach me this. And I can remember as a kid, random times when I would catch my grandmother whispering to herself. I can remember sometimes like, sometimes I would, I would like, I don't know, care enough to be like, grandma, what are you saying? And she would just, this was always her response. I'm just reminding myself of what the Lord says about me. I'm just reminding myself of what the Lord says about me. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you've seen, no matter what you've heard or done. When you remind yourself what the Lord says about you, you will have hope. When you don't know the word of God, what do you put your hope in? When you don't know the word of God, what do you put your hope in? You put your you put your hope in money, put your hope in status. You put your hope in material things. You put your hope in sex. You put your hope in career. All those things are fleeting and all those things can be taken away in the blink of an eye. And when they're gone, your hope is gone. If your hope is in money, when your money's gone, your hope is gone. If your hope is in a relationship, when that relationship is gone, your hope is gone. When you don't know the word of God, you put your hope in things that go away. But when you know the word of God, your hope will never fade because God's word is forever. How do I know this? Because His word tells me. How do I know God's word is forever? Because it says it's forever. Luke chapter 21, verse 23, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. First Peter 1, 25 says, the word of the Lord endures forever. Psalm 119.89 says, your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. When we know the word of God, we can put our hope in that. When we don't know the word of God, we put our hope in anything else. And it's always going to let us down. So what happens when we don't know the word of God? Our view of sin becomes distorted. When we don't know the word of God, our hope is diluted. And the final consequence that I want to talk about today of not knowing the word of God is this. Your love is deadened. Your love is deadened. Exposure to Scripture increases our joy in Scripture. Sin is constantly fighting to keep us away from God and his word. The corruption of our flesh, the corruption of this world, is why so many Christians struggle, struggle with regular time in the word. However, knowing the word of God, knowing... Um, the love-filled, hope-giving message of God, it breeds greater joy from the Bible and greater desire to spend time in it. Even the parts of the Bible we don't fully grasp ultimately lead to greater joy because it leads to greater trust in the Lord. When we know his word, when we, we've memorized it, when we've understood it and studied it, when we've hidden it in our heart, we can trust him more, and that trust leads to joy. That trust leads to joy. Scripture tells us that God is love, right? 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says this, Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. If we don't know God, then we don't really know what love is. If we don't know God, then we don't know how to truly love other people. We don't know how to truly love. The scriptures teach us who God is and what he cares about. The scriptures teach us how God loves. Pastor Ryan, what do you mean? Teaches us how God loves. Well, in Genesis, when Adam and Eve disobeyed and they introduced sin into the world, what was God's response? Did he kill them? Did he smite them? Did he destroy them? Did he shame them? What did he do? He immediately started working on a plan to redeem them. That's love. That's love. In in Exodus, when God made the covenant with Israel, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. And immediately they turned their backs on him and, and they started practicing idolatry and they started sinning against God. What was his response? Was it to destroy them? Was it to kill them? No, he fed them and he showed them mercy, love. In the book of Judges, Israel's constantly turning their back on God. And they're constantly, it says, it says that they did only evil in the eyes of the Lord. This is, what, this is what it says about Israel in the book of Judges. They did only evil in the eyes of the Lord. And what's God's response? I'm going to redeem my people. I'm going to redeem them. Love. In the book of Jeremiah, God lays out, God lays out um, the punishment that he's about to dole out to Israel for hundreds and hundreds of years of disobedience and idolatry. God's going to send them into exile. He's going to send them into slavery in another country. Is that the end of the story? No. What does God say? I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Love. This is how God loves. This is how how he loves. God is itching to be gracious. He's itching to be merciful. It's all throughout the scriptures. But if we don't know it, how can we ever live in it? When we don't know the word of God, your love is deadened. Because when you don't know the word of God, you don't know how God loves and You don't know how to love like God. Psalm chapter 119, verse 14 says, I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as having all the riches in the world. I, I, know how you, I know how you love God. You've taught me how to love through your word. So when we don't know the word of God, there are severe consequences. You may not perceive the consequences immediately, but you will experience them eventually. Worship team, you can come to the platform. When we don't know the word of God, our sin is distorted. When we don't know the word of God, our hope is diluted. When we don't know the word of God, our love is deadened. Now, I understand, I understand very much that the Bible can be difficult. The Bible can be confusing. The Bible can be surprising. The Bible can be boring. The Bible can be infuriating. I understand these things. But I'm unprepared and unwilling to rewrite the Bible for accommodating a broken world that needs the Bible. I'm, not, I'm unprepared to rewrite what it says and, and kind of give us a pass because we need it to become more like Jesus. As believers, not knowing the scriptures has dire consequences. And it can it can leave you never really knowing exactly what to believe. But could you imagine, imagine for a moment, if you wanna close your eyes and imagine you can, you don't have to, but imagine for a moment knowing the word of God well enough that you can cut through all the junk. That person said this, you know, about the way I should live. And this person said that about the way I should live. And I don't really know what to do, but I know what the word of God says. So it doesn't really matter what this person says. It doesn't really matter what that person says. What they say is, it sounds good and it has merit. And I can see this, I can see both sides, but it doesn't really matter what they say, because I know exactly what the word of God says. Can you imagine that? There's no confusion on how I should handle that situation at work. There's no confusion on how I should handle that situation at home, because I know exactly what the word of God says. What if you knew the word of God so well that no matter what happened around you, your hope and trust in God would would only grow. What if, and I don't know how I'm going to put food on the table. I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I know what the word says. The word says, look at the birds of the air. God keeps on feeding them. And how much more valuable are you than, than they are? So if God's gonna take care of the birds, I know he's gonna take care of me because his word says it. What if? What if? Or like this. I don't know what's going to happen with politics in this country. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what direction we're going as a country politically, but I know what the word of God says. The word of God says that all authority comes from God. All authority has been established by God. And if that's true, then I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. What if we actually knew how to love like god because we see the countless examples of how he loves all throughout the scriptures you know that love is patient that love is kind it doesn't envy it doesn't it 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 doesn't boast it's not rude it's not proud you know that love keeps no record of wrongs you know love um always hopes it never gives up it's always uh uh it, it always endures through every circumstance you know that Because you know what's, you've read it and you've experienced, could you imagine like being able to live in that? We won't know those things if we don't hide his word in our heart. Discipleship, we have to be prepared to serve the will of God and the way we do that is through prayer, worship, and we have to know his word 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 let me pray for you this morning God thank you thank you for my church family and where you're leading us you're 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 leading us to be more like you and I just pray right now for anyone who might be struggling in this area of, of knowing your word that God I pray that you would meet them right now with grace that there's no judgment there's no shame but god that that you just want us to know you have more for us and we can find it in your word i pray by the power of your holy spirit that you would give us each a hunger to know your word more and more every day thank you god thank you god in jesus name what we're going to do right now is we're going to just take a few minutes to respond. The worship team is going to lead us in a song and you can join them and sing in. Singing if you want, you can pray. If you want, you can sit and reflect on what we just heard. If you want, however you need to respond, I want to encourage you respond that way, but don't rush through this moment. Don't, don't be in a hurry to get to the next thing. Cause God has something he wants to do right here, right now. So, um, If you'd like, you can stand with me, and the worship team is going to lead us. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We love you. We honor you today, God. Teach us, God, by your word. Instruct us by your word. Guide us by your word, God. When everything seems to be crumbling around us, God, we want to put our hope in your word because your word never fails, it never passes away, it never leaves. Before we're dismissed this morning, I just have a few next steps that I want to challenge us with today um, and these next steps are just tangible things that we can do to take the message and apply it to our lives this week. So um, the first one is this week, I will memorize 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. The second one is this week I'll spend at least five minutes each day reading scripture. We have to know his word. We have to be able to understand it and hide it in our hearts because it's the only truth that we have in a world full of lies. And if, if you maybe struggle really quickly with like, what do I read? What do I read, Pastor Ryan? Next week, we're gonna start a brand new series uh, where we're gonna walk verse by verse through the gospel of John. Start reading the Gospel of John. Take five minutes each day this week to read in the Gospel of John. And um, yeah, I think that's a, a phenomenal place to start if if you need uh, help learning where to start. So, And then finally, this week, I'll invite someone to join me for the beginning of our new series, The Gospel of John. This is gonna be um, a lot like the way we went through Romans. Um, if you remember back to that, it took us, roughly 18 months to get through romans because we walked verse by verse we looked at every verse we read every single verse and that's what we're going to do with the gospel of john i'm really excited about that because it's, it's the life of Jesus that we get to read and examine. So um, invite someone to join you um, for the beginning of our series next week. Uh, let me pray one more time, and we can be dismissed this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing. We pray, God, that you would continue to draw us closer and closer to you. Um, God, we want to be near you. We want to be close to you. Um, so would you draw near to us? We love you, God. We thank you. And finally, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen and amen. We love you guys. Thanks for worshiping with us today. We will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.